tell you what, we're just uh, uh, so blessed to have uh, those that are part of our worship team, aren't we? I mean, just incredibly gifted people. Every, every, every service we come in, man, we're brought in the presence of God, aren't we? It's just wonderful to be worshiping here. Thank you for uh, coming out uh, on a Wednesday night uh, and, and having the discipline to say, hey, uh, the, 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 the doors of the church are open, so let me go and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me come uh, with great expectation to be fed. Uh, feed my spirit, man. So thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, partnering with us to just continue to build the kingdom of God and be effective in all that we do right here in Lakeland. Uh, I can tell you that uh, the Blackburn household uh, is well. The, the Blackburn household is floating along right now, uh, especially uh, knowing that our son Grant and his wife Brittany uh, are on their way or will be on their way tomorrow night. Uh, about uh, from this time about three hours out from pulling into our driveway we're really excited about Grant and Brittany coming but I got to tell you our grandson Judah is going to be in that car and and I'm just uh, letting you know that uh, there will be a great struggle to see who gets to him first Uh, and I got to tell you that uh, if Kelly goes to pulling her earrings off I'm just giving up right there at that point because I'm going to concede and let her step in and love on her grandson. So we're excited about that. We believe that he is just weeks. It's hard to believe he's nine months old, probably just weeks away from taking some of his first steps. And uh, who knows? We've we've got 10 days with him, and uh, I'm going to be working with him, and I'm going to be coaching him and and getting him to pull up. And and, uh, you know he's a Gator fan, so things just kind of escalate even faster uh, for the Gators, you know, God's favors upon the orange and blue. Amen. I know that it is. Uh, here's, here's what I can tell you. When we talk about steps in the life of a believer, uh, a follower of Jesus, uh, every day that we get up, um, our intentions, our desire uh, should be to take one more step uh, in our faith. You guys hear us communicate uh, really uh, over the last uh, probably two months now in uh, people taking their next step in grow track and assimilating into ministry here at church, but it all begins uh, with the first step of someone making Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. Amen? That's where it begins. And then the journey starts. The discipleship process begins uh, for a person, and we want to partner with everyone that uh, is a follower of Christ and uh, and, and those that are in the process of making that decision to kind of steer them in that direction to say, hey, uh, becoming a disciple of Jesus, there is a process and that every day that you get up should be just one more step. Uh, how many of you know that uh, in reality that, that there are some days that we just kind of knock it out of the park and we just hit all of the buckets and uh, we can high five and say, man, today was a 10 uh, but there, there are some days uh, I can tell you that even in my own life, it seems like if I take a step forward, there are moments that I take another step back and sometimes two steps. Does anyone uh, kind of identify with that, that we're, we're wanting to move forward and different areas that we're challenged in? I know that some that are maybe watching online or even in the, the room tonight, when you say anger, anger seems to be the one that is just eating my lunch. I really, I would really to be, like to nail that down 
in, in my desire to become Christ-like, but anger seems to be just holding on to me. And, and then for some, uh, the great struggle is lust to say, you know what, I, I had that first glance, but then there's the second glance, the third glance, and then, and then my mind, I lose control of my thought life. And, and I would love to be able to just kind of have that arrested and something that I, that I don't struggle with anymore. I think there's one that I'd like for us to kind of dig in on tonight. And I think uh, all of us, man, the seasoned followers of Christ, those that are new in their faith, and something that even the unchurched people, those that have yet to make that decision that, that we all struggle with, uh, is just worry. Worry is, is what happens, what takes place when we put all of our plans together, we make our strategies, and uh, we've calculated everything, we've crossed the T's, and we've dotted the I's, and we get right up to that line of concern, and then we step over, and we allow worry to begin to creep in. I believe that Jesus, I know that Jesus addresses this how do we combat worry? Is there any room for it in the life of a follower of Jesus? And I want us to look at that tonight. It's natural when you think about parenting. How many of you just simply raise your hand real quick? You're a parent. Your kids may be grown, gone, grandparents, parents. Get them, get them up. Let's see them. Let's see them. Okay. At some point, I've got to, I got to believe uh, that if we could, we could say, man, our kids have brought just great concern and worry into the household. Uh, I know that I've done that. It's hard to believe. I know it's hard to believe that I brought that into our household, uh, being the pastor's son. Uh, my sisters, of course, of course, brought more than I did, but uh, worry, as, as a parent, it's natural. Uh, a year ago, Kelly and I had the joy. Uh, we have three kids two that are grown and gone, and then we have our third, Chloe's the baby, 16. There's about a 10-year spread between she and her oldest sibling, nine years between she and Grant. And so, of course, the kids all received the first car, uh, and we helped and assisted with that. And we had the joy about a year ago to celebrate with Chloe in, in her very first car. She was, hey, from the very beginning, years before we even got to the day of purchasing the car, she said, I want a beetle. That, that, is my, that is my desire. I want a beetle. Uh, and it kind of, uh, kind of uh, was a delight for me because that's one of the cars that we had as a family. My mom drove a little uh, a baby blue beetle bug. You guys know that back in the 70s and the 80s, a little beetle bug. And Chloe, it, it just caught her eye. And she said, I want a bug. And so we did that. We, we began to search and we found one over uh, in Orlando. And we did the deal. It was great, man. It was a wonderful moment. We signed the papers, gave a check. They gave us the keys. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook, Facebook Live. It's a great moment to celebrate. It's our baby's first car. She's happy. The red ribbon's on the front of it. And I can tell you that the time came, we drove over, and the time came to leave the parking lot. And, of course, Kelly gets in the car with Chloe, and I'm standing there with my camera, and I take this picture. You can see... Chloe is like, man, let the good times roll, baby. This is my new car. If you look at Kelly, body language says a thousand words. I mean, her hands are clasped. She has this half smile. 
And this great concern comes on her face to know that I'm in the car. We're making our way back from Orlando, back to Lakeland, and here's a concerned mother. How many of you know can identify with that? Say, man, here we, here we go, and I'm the father, and I'm following along. We're coming back, and, and all of these thoughts, all of the what-ifs begin. You guys know what if, what if this happens, what if that happens, what about this, what about that? And I call, and I'm, Kelly, hey, I'm following along. Hey, make sure that Chloe uses her turn signal if she needs to go to the, the, the uh, inside lane and make sure she uses her turn signal if she's going to the outside lane. Just make sure she, okay, 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 and hang up. And then, of course, it just continues on. It doesn't stop there. And, and I call Kelly back. Kelly, hey, make sure that if she does change lanes that she checks her blind spot, okay? Don't forget about the blind spot. And so th- this, is, this is what's happening all the way back from Orlando uh, to Lake. Lakeland. And and I've got to tell you, when we get into our neighborhood, we stop by mom and dad's. And of course, we call our pastor out, my father, and say, hey, man, let's pray over it. Let's pray over uh, Chloe. And we do that and say, Lord, your protection upon her on this car. Always have your angels stationed around them. No harm to come against her. Uh, I've got to tell you that even all of those prayers didn't stop me probably for the next two weeks with all of the what ifs, what abouts. And I'm thinking, what if she has to make a three-point turn? What if she has to make a left-hand turn and there's not a green arrow to give her the right? Will she remember? What if she is stranded? And I just kept playing that over and over and over and, and trying to coach her. And you know how that turns out. You know, whenever you, after a while, she just begins to look at you and gives you this glare. Like, come on, dad. And I, I was really just kind of stopped in my spirit and said, okay, now we prayed. It's time to let this thing go. We, we've done all the preparation, all the planning, we've coached, we've driven, we've done the lessons, all that goes with it, let's step away. Some of you guys understand what I'm talking about. And, and last week, I reached out to a friend that's a, a financial advisor, and I said, kind of, uh, I'm preparing for a message, uh, kind of walk, walk through the steps with me as to how someone kind of builds wealth. How do we, we all want to get to that point in life that we're able to retire. Kind of walk, walk me through that. What does it look like? And he began to explain that, hey, if a person at the age of 30 and for the next 35 years until they're 65, if they'll, if they'll push aside every year at least $11,000 and on average the compounded interest, if they have earnings of at least 5%, by the time that they get to 65 and they're ready to retire, uh, they should have amassed at least somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of a million dollars. How many of you know that a million dollars is still a lot of money? I would lo- a million dollars in my account, that's a lot of, of money. He said, hey, and, and if you take a little bit of the Social Security and knowing the interest that they'll earn, uh, they should be okay. And I'm thinking to myself, if I have a million dollars, man, there is no worries anymore. Man, I have arrived if I've got a million dollars. And he said, man, that's not the case. I mean, so if someone's sitting on a million, two million, three million, they still have something to worry about? Absolutely. They worry. They call in and they're worried that, well, now what happens is the old worries of being able to get to retirement are replaced now with, well, what happens if it all runs out? What if I live longer than I anticipated? And, and now where's the money? What's going to happen whenever that arrives? And they continue to go on and on and on. And he sits down and reassures them and says, hey, continue. Just live your life 
Let's sit down. Let's have some quarterly meetings to make sure that we're staying on track. But I can assure you, you're safe. You're well. And enjoy life because here's what he told me. He said, on average, the national average, that by the time that you pass and everything that you've been able to save is then passed on to your generations to follow, all of that money will be gone within nine months. And he said, I can tell you that my experience professionally matches what the national average is, that once the next generation gets it or those that are, are managing that money, it will be gone on cars and houses. So go out and then just enjoy it. And I'm thinking, how can someone in their 80s and 90s that may be sitting on two or three or four million, whatever the number is, 500 thousand. I don't know. How could they ever at 80s and 90s have any kind of concern? Here's, here's what I've learned is that there are outside influences. And if someone that's in their 80s or 90s, they probably remember back to the Great Depression. And they say, I remember what happened. I've heard the stories. I was close enough to that, that I still have the memory and the sting of the Great Depression. And I never want to live without and worry is back on the radar. I called another buddy when I'm preparing for this message and he's an OBGYN. I said, hey, I, I know that there's gotta be worry, man. You have patients that are coming in and out. Talk to me about that. What's the great worry? He said, for expectant mothers, he said, and this is normal, the expectant mothers, their, their greatest worry, and we hear this often, is my baby normal? Is my baby normal? And he said, we go through all of the process, the blood is drawn, of course, all of the sonograms happen, and we bring the good news back to the mom and say, hey, everything's good, baby's doing well, heartbeat is there, sonogram, we're, we're cruising along. I said, well, they're good then, right? No, no, he said, all of those worries are now replaced with the worries that come from stories, from family members, stories from friends, too much TLC, all that goes with it. And so we have to sit down with them through the whole process and bring them back in and say, hey, we're going to monitor you all along the way. And if, if it means giving you a peace of mind to order more tests and more money, we'll, we'll do that, but we'll be with you all along the way. And he says they worry, most often they worry about things that rarely happens and in most cases, most cases never happens. And that's, and that's what we live with. Whatever's on your plate, you say, man, those things are just eating my lunch. There's, it, it has taken control of my thought life. My, my physical body is just being worn out because of all the worry that I've allowed to creep in. Jesus has something to say about it tonight for us. In Matthew chapter 6, go ahead and turn there. And I can tell you this again, that we are not the first people group to ever struggle with the idea of worry. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount series that begins in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus has a group that's all around him. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about your body or what you will wear. And you think about that. This is his audience. What are the, the worry points, the people that were doing life literally with Jesus and he looks at them and he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. The worry points for them, it, it was natural. It was what will we eat today? 
During that culture, it was, it, it was relevant. It was about, hey, hand to mouth every day. How will we work the fields? How will we eat? What's the livestock? What's going on there? How will we, how will we live? These are real things that they were concerned with, and Jesus is dre- addressing it. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Those are not the, the worry points for us today. We, we don't have those same worry points Uh, In our culture, especially here in America, now there are some things that we worry about that may start pushing us in the direction of saying, okay, well, how are we going to eat? Or how are we going to be able to afford this? But the worry points for us today is we get back and we say, man, what's going on with my 401k? What's going on in my life in singleness? Will I ever experience a life with another companion? My, my, my wife or husband, my spouse has passed on and that concerns us to the point that it begins to just saturate our thought life and we step over that line once again from concern into worry. Those are the things that are just on our radar. And he speaks to them. I can tell you that Jesus, these are his words, okay? These are his words that he's speaking to this audience. And he says, therefore, I tell you, uh, recently, when we talk about voices of authority, and Jesus is speaking here in this passage of scripture, uh, I ran up to the emergency room to see my grandmother and uh, went in, Kelly and I were there, and my aunt was there. And, uh, and, and my grandmother begins to have a conversation with me and she's talking and I'm trying to listen and I'm looking at her, uh, off to my side, uh, my wife and, and my aunt are deep in conversation, but just having a good time, lots of laughter and carrying on. And my grandmother looks at me and she goes, well, why aren't you saying anything? And she gives me that look. And at that moment, That was a look that I rarely see on my grandmother's face, but yet this is a voice of authority that is very well, well enough to look at her grandson and say, why aren't you saying anything? And I begin, grandmother, I'm I'm sorry. And And that's what's transpiring here at this moment that whenever Jesus is speaking, he's speaking with authority whenever he uses the words, therefore, I tell you, that is a moment that everyone in the house and watching online, you need to kind of pull up to the table because the master is about to speak and address a very real issue and is about to give us the keys of overcoming worry that may creep into our lives. He continues on in this passage, and and you've got to imagine, he says, look at the birds of the air, for they do not, what? They do not reap, they do not sow, they do not store up in barns, and yet your heavenly Father still feeds them. And then he asks this question, are you not more valuable than they? Look at the air. Think about that. You're gathered and you're there in the audience. And in my mind, if he's, he's telling them to look at the birds of the air, I've got to think that where he's at, Sermon of the Mount location that there must be birds in the air. I mean, look at the birds of the air. We had that same experience. That actually is a bird captured uh, as we're standing on the top of Mount Carmel in March. The teaching is going on and it's happening. And then out of the, the, the midst, out of nowhere, the middle of nowhere, this bird 
begins to just effortlessly float as if it were suspended in the air and just floating along. What a, what a great moment. We're, we're, we're having a teaching moment, a moment of worship, and here's this one bird that's floating along. And to realize that this one bird, God's creation, birds can't worry, birds don't plan, birds have no concern, but they matter enough to God that he makes sure that they're fed every day. And yet your heavenly Father feeds the birds in the air. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe that God loves you more than birds? Let me go ask this side. Do you believe that God loves you more than birds? Come on. Now let me give you an opportunity to redeem yourself. Do you believe that God loves you more than birds? Amen. I think there's a consensus in the house that God loves us more than birds. Because if our God, listen to me, goes to great pains to make sure that the most insignificant bird is fed, how much more concern and love does he have for the people that were created in his own image? So then the question is, when you talk about the love of a father, what, what, what is keeping us from understanding the love of the father of knowing that our Father is so concerned about us that it keeps us in a spirit of worry. To know that our Heavenly Father has everything under control. To say, yes, do we plan? Absolutely. Is there concern? Absolutely. Should we care? Yes, but worry in the life of a believer? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. And then he asks, asks this question. Who of you, who of you can, by worrying, add one single hour to your life? Who of you can add one single hour because of worrying to your life? The answer, no one is. Listen, ladies, here's what I can tell you. On average, your life expectancy, you have roughly 710,000 hours to breathe in just fresh air. Guys, I can tell you we're, we're not going to be around as long as the ladies. On average, the average is about 668,000 hours that we'll have. And there's nothing Nothing that we can do to increase our existence, our average life expectancy. Worry doesn't bring anything to us, but it absolutely takes away. Will take away our energy, take away our strength, 
That's what happens when we allow ourselves to enter into worry. Winston Churchill said this, and the guys are going to put it up on the screen. When, when I look back on all these worries, I remember the story of the old man who said on his deathbed that he had had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which never happened. That we spend all of this time in great worry. I, I got to tell you that right now in Hoover, Alabama, for all of you football fans, the greatest conference known to college football has convened on Hoover, Alabama in what they call the SEC Media Days, Southeastern Conference Media Days. Thousands of people enter into Hoover and they all congregate on this campus, this resort, incredible place. Over a thousand media members, credentialed media members, press people are there all to be able to have some conversation with 14 head coaches, three players from each university, and thousands of people. The fans are there and it's happening right now. Started on Monday, ends tomorrow, the SEC Media Days. Multi, multi-million dollar business. And one of the coaches, I heard in an interview, heard with my own ears, is asked this question. Happens to be Kirby Smart, the head football coach of the University of Georgia. Mm. He said, coach, you're now in your three, third year of being a head coach, actually going into your fourth year. Three years you've been in the seat, you've been the man now at the University of Georgia and had incredible success. What are, what are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned now that you're the man, you're the head coach? And just like that, he answers. He says, I can tell you, he says, it's to stop worrying. Stop worrying. He said, as the head football coach, I had to learn that very quickly, to stop worrying. There are things that happen that are completely out of my control. He said that it takes all of my energy, physical energy, and what it does, it just eats my time up and often it's things that rarely or never happens. And I'm listening to this and I have great concern now and I'm ready as a Florida Gator fan to step over because it almost sounds biblical. And I'm thinking there's no way that there's any follower of Jesus that comes out of the University of Georgia, no way. God may be care about the birds in the air, but there's no way he cares about the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm just kidding. But Kirby Smart says, man, eats my energy. Man, challenges me physically. I'm just giving it up. And then Jesus continues on with his teaching, and we're finishing up right here. And he gives the solution. How do you combat needless worry in your life in your homes, in your business. And he says what? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will, what, come on? Come on, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. 
Jesus says right there at the beginning of your day, throughout your day, you stay in that mindset regardless of what may be on your plate, what, regardless of the struggle, you begin that day seeking me. You begin to be Christ-minded. You begin to look to your heavenly Father and, and take great, great courage of stepping out and know that you serve a great God because here's what I can tell you. Earlier in Matthew chapter 6, and Pastor Jeff spoke on just uh, incredible prayers, risky prayers on Sunday night. There's a great prayer that's mentioned in chapter 6, and it's known around the world, around the world, and we refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. Everyone in the house knows it. There are, there are unchurched people that if they begin to hear the Lord's Prayer, they can recite it because we've all grown up accustomed to hearing this. Around the world, the pe people know the Lord's Prayer as a matter of fact, on the count of three, I want us to all, with just a great vibrance, begin to quote that. Okay, okay. One, two, three. Our Father, which art in hallowed, thy, thy, on, right there. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so we can rejoice in the fact that our heavenly father when we begin to seek him first says your kingdom first your kingdom come right here on earth because we know that all things are perfect uh, when we talk about being in the presence of God amen there will come a day when he calls us home and all the worries of this world all the concerns of this world will be gone and we will rejoice and celebrate forever and ever in the presence of God because that's where perfection is and we're striving to get there as followers of Jesus. And that's what we can do from this day until Sunday. But seek first his kingdom. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We come back on Sunday and we get another message. But for the next four days, they say, God, let me exalt you. Let me pray and recognize who you are. Let me put you first, God. I'm going to put you first today, God, and I'm going, to, I'm going to let all of the concerns and worries of my marriage be left up to you. God, I'm going to put you first in all of the credit lines and business issues, things that I need to deal with with employees. I'm going to let them rest in your hands. All you've called me to do is to seek you, and I'm going to leave all the results in your hands. That's what we get to do as followers of Jesus, that we don't have to worry about the outcome. We let it rest in the hands of our Father. Imagine with me, imagine with me what your life would be like if you said, man, let me seek him first today. And think of the freedom and the liberty that you'll be able to experience to know that the worries aren't just, just sucking the energy out of you. Now I'm leaving that up to my father. That if he cares enough about the birds in the air, then if he can clothe the hillsides with incredible beauty and lilies, I know I'm his creation. He cares about me. Amen. Will you stand with me tonight? So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for this message. And, Lord, I know there are people that have great concerns in the house tonight. But, Lord, I pray, God, that this message will find a place within our hearts and our minds God, as we look at our plates and we say, man, this is eating my lunch. And I'm just going to put it down. My desire, God, is to seek you first.
And I want to step in that. I want to step in that direction tonight. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to go down and I'm going to pray with one of the altar workers. And I'm leaving this thing alone. And I'm desiring to come close to you. If that's you tonight, begin to move out. Come down. We've got a prayer team that desires to pray with you and come into agreement and believe that, hey, the worries of this world, they're behind us because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Amen. So as they sing, just begin to move out and we'll come back in just a few minutes and pray. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. you believe that, just lift your hands in the house tonight. I'm by you. It's who I am. Yes, you are. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you, Lord. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. So, Father, we thank you for tonight. God, we do. Lord, come into agreement tonight. And Lord, we want to step out with great faith and great trust and know that our Heavenly Father has everything under control. But God, we do want to take a time right now, Lord, here in your presence to recognize that there may be someone in the house that is yet to take that first step of recognizing who you are in their life and seeing that you are a good father. And so, God, I pray that if there is someone in the house tonight or watching online that wants to make that decision, Lord, let them know that right now in this moment, all they have to do is say a quick prayer to ask you to forgive them of their sins, to wash them, to make them clean, make them a new creature in you. I pray, Father, that if that's their desire, that they would step with great faith and recognize that you are the Son of God. And Lord, that you would begin to do a great work in their life as they begin that journey of becoming disciples, disciples of your son. But Father, I also want to pray tonight for that individual that's in this room. God, that is carrying a great burden, a great concern. Lord, even stepping over the line to where it becomes worry. I pray, Father, that they would speak to that right now in the name of Jesus. And that they would embrace your words where you say, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Lord, let that be the statement of belief for the house tonight, God, that we believe that we rest in the hands of the Father. I pray, God, now blessing and favor upon this household. I pray, God, that you would go with us, protect us, and bring us back on Sunday morning. Father, here on the North Campus as well as the South Campus, ready to receive from you. I pray, God, that we would have great anticipation when we arrive on that day. God, to see life change take place in your house. Be with us now. Keep us safe, Father, out on the roads. I hear the rain and the storms. Keep us safe, Father. Take us home. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It is raining. It is raining outside. The band's going to continue to play. We'd love for you to continue to worship with us for just a few more minutes. God bless. Have a good night.
good, good Father, to you I say, to you are, and I'm loved by you, Lord, to I am, to I am, you're a good, good Father, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, Lord. It's who I am. It's who I am. am. That's the question. You're perfect. Say you're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us, you're perfect. It's who I am. It's who I am. 